I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Monday the 6th of February. I'm your host Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on this week's show, we talk to Danny Welbeck about his return to first team action. Nigel Winterburn helps us remember a trip to the San Siro Stadium in this week's history lesson. Adrian Clark is back with another dose of the chalkboard. We kick off though by taking a look back at the weekend's action. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. We're a commentator light today. I'm afraid that Dan Roebuck is away doing another recording, controversially, but I'm pleased to say that the key part of the duo, in my view, I'm only saying that because Dan's not here, uh, Nick Brumsack <laughs> does join us here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Uh, Nick, good morning to you, mate, and uh, I hope I find you in relatively fine fettle, given what's been such a disappointing five or six days for the Gunners. Morning, Martin. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. It has been, hasn't it? Um after that Southampton game uh, last weekend, we were all feeling so good, so confident about Arsenal's squad depth, about chances in, in all three remaining competitions. And unfortunately, what's unfolded in the week that's followed has, has made it very difficult now, you'd have to say, for Arsenal to uh, have a chance of winning the title this season. So I suppose in terms of the league, top four is clearly the next thing to aim for. It's a run that Arsenal have pulled off quite brilliantly for so, so many years. Well, absolutely. But I mean, look, there's 14 games left. There's 42 points to play for in the Premier League and all that Arsenal can do really is just look at the next game and, and try to win it and I know I sound a little bit like Arsene Wenger when I say that but the thing is you, you can't look too far ahead you can't write Chelsea off it you've, you've just got to try and go out there win your next game which is obviously Hull on Saturday which is as we know going to be very difficult particularly considering what they did to Liverpool at the weekend and then just see what happens after that but there's 14 games left as I said we're, we're still in two more competitions and Let's not make too much of a crisis out of this. Let's just try and get back on track as soon as possible and hopefully do that at the weekend. Now, let's talk about the Watford game, first of all, as we review the couple of matches. Um, what did you make as the most disappointing part of that? I suppose the start and to be behind and behind so much so quickly. Well, yeah, it was a real coupon buster, wasn't it? Because Watford, I think, hadn't won in their last seven Premier League games coming into it. I think they'd only taken two points in fact and the way that Arsenal had played at Southampton you just thought it was an absolute home banker and unfortunately in the Premier League as we've seen many occasions this season that doesn't really exist and 
what for me was particularly disappointing was, was as you mentioned there, the start. I mean, being two goals down after, after 13 minutes at home is it's just completely unacceptable regardless of, of who you're playing against. And the way in which Arsenal conceded the goals as well, it, it just wasn't good enough. And I think the players fronted up to that. They admitted as much um, at full time. And even though they did give it a real go in the second half, I, I just felt that certain things went against them. Um, maybe the substitution of, of Coquelin moving Alex Iwobi back so early on when he had such a great start to that second half didn't really help and I think the momentum went after that and, and it just became very difficult against a, a resolute on its side Well let's hear a bit from the boss himself here's Arsene Wenger also agreeing that the problem was the start to the game that his team made We had a poor first half and uh, we're not ready as a unit I think we looked disjointed not uh, dominating the duels and uh, we were a bit unlucky as well because we paid uh, very heavily for it and uh, uh, after that, we responded very well in the second half, but it was not enough. And uh, overall, I think uh, uh, it's disappointing, but uh, uh, we have to deal with that and come back and respond. I don't know, because we prepared well the game and uh, we told them about what's expecting us. And uh, so, but it looked like mentally we were not ready for the fight uh, that they g- gave us. OK, Arsene Wenger there talking about that Watford game. And just one more, Nick, on that. We saw, as you said, the Iwobi goal. There was there was Perez smashing the underside of the post and it's staying out. And there was that galvanising effort. There was the momentum to try and get a point. But again, it just all goes back, doesn't it, to, to giving themselves too much work to do. Yeah, you can't give any team in, in the Premier League a two-goal head start and expect to still win the game, no matter how much you fight afterwards. And I mean, of course, Arsenal's got a lot of crucial late goals this season but you can't do that every week and it was something Olivier Giroud actually alluded to a couple of weeks ago he said look I'm scoring these late goals at the moment but it's not going to happen every single week so we need to start games better and unfortunately they just didn't do that against Watford Um, actually if I'm being hypercritical I'd also say that Arsenal went gung-ho a little bit too early Um, I mentioned that that Coquelin substitution and I just felt that once he went off there was no real balance to Arsenal's play it won't be who had influenced uh, so much of, of the game before was was finding himself in a deeper area, couldn't really do what he'd been doing before. And, and then you kind of had Lucas, Alexis and, and Walcott all playing up front, but all sometimes just getting in each other's way. And it, it was just a, an apt ending, I guess you can say, to what was a, a very frustrating evening in M5. So we move on then to the Chelsea game at the weekend just gone. Heading in, there was a nine-point gap between the teams after, of course, Chelsea and Liverpool had, had drawn. And there was real promise heading in, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, I thought we started the game well, actually. You know, pressed the Chelsea very well in the opening few minutes or so. And, of course, it made a good opportunity for Iwobi, um, which unfortunately was deflected just wide. But, again, I think the response to, to going a goal down in the first half wasn't actually the worst. I mean, look, Chelsea are playing fantastically. They've got no injuries. They haven't got Champions League football to worry about. And I think their freshness really showed. But Arsenal stuck in quite well, I, I would say, in the first half. Had a few really good chances and... Gabriel Header, he obviously has to score it, and Mesut Ozil as well with a chance on the, on the stroke of half-time, um, which he should have done better with as well. But as, as soon as it went to 2-0, you, you just thought there was no way that, that Chelsea were going to relinquish control. And uh, once again, it was another disappointing trip to, to Stamford Bridge. Do you feel there was a degree of controversy about that first goal, or is it a case of when things aren't going your way, you need the luck to then go your way to give you that springboard? I don't think you can you can blame the defeat on the first goal because... Of course, it makes it infinitely harder, but there's still so much time left in the game. Um, I've seen varying uh, views on, on that opening goal. My personal one is, is that 
you know what, if that had gone against Arsenal, I would have been pretty disappointed, pretty angry about it, in fairness. So I really, to be honest, didn't have too much of a problem with it. I know he leant with his elbow. I know he caught Bellerin, but he only had eyes for the ball. Um, and as I said, you know, if it had gone against us, I'd have felt really disappointed at the other end as well. Having said that, it's one of those, as you mentioned, to Chelsea, everything's going so well for them at the moment. There was no way that goal was ever going to be chalked off. And as soon as it stood... And as soon as they got that second goal from, from Hazard just after the break, as I mentioned, there was only going to be one winner. OK, let's hear a little bit from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain speaking post-match after that Chelsea defeat. Here's what he had to say. I'm gutted. Um, we knew it was, a, it was a massive game and we needed three points to them. Obviously, we haven't got that and right now that's, it hurts. Um, and that's all I'm thinking. Yeah, in spells they did, um, in spells we did. Um, at the end of the day, they're more clinical with the chances they got. Um, and they've punished a few mistakes from us, and you you can't afford to do that um, in the Premier League, and especially not against a team like Chelsea. And we've paid the ultimate price today. And... Well, the Ox there, Nicky. To be fair, played in central midfield and played well, didn't he? I wonder whether, at least in the short term, this is is an option for Arsene Wenger to sort of patch things back together and get a nice cohesive midfield unit that can get the job done for Hull and beyond. Yeah, I think he's been really good, actually, in, in the last three games. If you, if you look at the Southampton one, I thought he was absolutely phenomenal there. Um, really showed his credentials. He was snapping into challenges. His long-range passing was, was excellent as well. Against Watford, I thought he provided energy. Didn't perhaps have um, his best evening, but but who in the Arsenal side really did? Um, and, of course, he had to come off the bench so early on to replace Ramsey. And then against Chelsea, again, I, I thought he, he did pretty well, actually. I thought um, of all the Arsenal players, he was probably my pick of the bunch out there. And as you mentioned, Ross, it looks like it could be an option now, short term. We're still waiting, of course, on Santi Cazorla to come back. Granit Xhaka is, is still suspended for that, that whole game as well. Um, and Aaron Ramsey's obviously injured. So he's going to have to play there. And uh, to be honest, the signs are quite good because I think he, he's shown real encouragement in that area in, in the last three games. I guess Elneny to come back sooner rather than later from the Africa Cup of Nations is something to consider too. But Nick, as we kind of draw a line under all of this, then what do Arsenal most, in theory, need to work on? And what do you feel they can change to get back on track if you were in Arsene Wenger's shoes? I think what they need to do is just make sure they win the next game. Um, We've seen it a couple of times this season where Arsenal have lost one and then lost the next one. But rather than let that then become an elongated blip, if you like, they have got back to winning ways relatively quickly. And, and that's what they simply must do now. And it's funny, actually, I was, I was looking at the fixtures earlier on. February is a very strange month for Arsenal because the game on Saturday is on the 11th of the month and it's our last Premier League game of the month and, and, until March. So what we need to do is make sure that we win that game because if we don't, Rivals are going to pick up points and all of a sudden it's going to be a real fight to get it back into the top four. And of course, with massive games coming away at Bayern Munich and, and Sutton United as well in, in the Champions League and the FA Cup, the answer simply has to be get back on the training pitch, work as hard as possible, um, be honest with yourself, be honest with where you've gone wrong and try and put it right as soon as very possible. Nick, appreciate your thoughts. I think we all echo those sentiments as uh, either fans or people who are closely associated with Arsenal. And uh, fingers crossed for happier times once again very, very soon. Thanks for coming on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Thanks, Ross. All the best. And of course, the Arsenal forward Danny Welbeck is back in action, returning from a long injury layoff when he came off the bench against Preston North End in the FA Cup back in January. Danny's been speaking to us about his comeback. So welcome back, Danny. How did it feel to make your return from injury and get out onto the pitch against Preston? Yeah, it was a, 
obviously a great feeling to be back on the pitch after spending so long out on the sidelines. It's uh, obviously difficult um, mentally watching the games on the side, not being able to take part. Uh, you just feel so far away uh, from it all, but um, to finally get back out there after obviously I had the first injury and then the second one, um, not long after it, it was, it was a difficult period for me in uh, my career, but it's something now that I hopefully put behind me and um, I'm just looking forward to pushing on. After the game, you, you tweeted saying, in those dark moments, there is always a flicker of light, follow the light. Where did you find that flicker of light? Do you know what? I think it's just uh, it's the love of football and um, however hard it may have been at the time going through the um, experiencing what I experienced, it was hard. Uh, obviously, being on the sidelines, sometimes just watching that home on TV. Um, but I think it's just the the thrill of actually getting back out there on the pitch. Uh, once you're being able to go out outside of the gym and uh, actually do stuff. Uh, physically on the pitch, it was something that you can't really um, you can't really put in words how how good it felt to be actually outside of the gym and and playing football or doing running, even just passing the ball for the first time. But obviously, you go through ups and downs in the in the rehab process, and it was difficult. Um, so yeah, it was just great to be finally. You get closer and closer. You you feel so much better as a uh, as a whole. You seem to me like a, a player who returns kind of at full speed, really. I mean, <laughs> but just just looking back to the, the Preston game, obviously you nearly scored, and then looking back to last season when you returned against Leicester, you, you scored straight away. Does it feel like that to you as well? Um, I don't know, because it's different. It's going to be different for every single player who's gone through a long injury and then to come back in, into training. Some may find it a bit harder than others. Um, obviously, age plays a factor in that as well. Um, I think how you've how you've um, how you've handled yourself mentally, like throughout the whole process, how you it depends because even though you're out injured, there's still a lot you can learn through football, and um, I think I kind of use that time wisely and kind of um, develop a understanding of the whole game in general. The boss and all the fans as well are delighted to have you back. I'm sure your teammates are as well. What are your personal goals for the rest of this, of this season? Have you set yourself any targets? No, I think um, obviously the ma the most important thing for me at the moment is to get um, just to gather like consistency in training. Um, obviously, get minutes under my belt um, in the first team matches, and and then I can see from there. Um, obviously, I've been out for a long long time, and then a long time before that as well, which is. It was horrible for me. Um. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I think the second time around, it like really, really, really hit home because it was so difficult to take. Um, at first, you get told you're missing like a couple of months, and then after the surgery, it's, you get told you're missing a certain amount of time. It's it's hard to take, but um, yeah, I think right now I'm just going to enjoy playing, enjoy training, and um, hopefully get back on the pitch and win some games. Put through by Bold! Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him? Oh, a great goal! It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 8th of February 1995, Arsenal lost 2-0 to AC Milan in the second leg of the European Super Cup, going down by the same score on aggregates. Nigel Winterman played at left-back in that game for the Gunners, and here are his memories of playing on the hallowed turf of the San Siro Stadium. But uh, I've got to say, in the second leg, when we went to the uh, San Siro against AC Milan, very difficult evening. Uh, real quality showed on the evening by AC Milan. They won by two goals uh, to nil. We didn't really threaten them. They controlled the game for long periods. They had some fabulous players as well. Um, the only real slight issue for us was uh, Milan were leading 1-0. Righty scored, um, but it was ruled out for offside. Um, I think that was really about one of the only times that we threatened on the evening the Milan, the Milan goal. So um, it was, let's say it was an education in uh, what I would put from a real class quality team uh, against our team that was uh, had done well um, to win the, you know, the Cup Winners' Cup season before. Uh, and. You know, we, we were getting stronger, but obviously we're still not quite at this level yet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes in football you just got to hold your hands up and say on the evening um, the, the better team won. And that's exactly what happened. We'll have another history lesson for you next week, but up next another dose of the chalkboard and Adrian Clark as we look ahead to facing Hull at Emirates Stadium in the Premier League. The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. Well, Adrian Clark joins me at the Chalkboard. Clarky, I would say, how are you? But I presume not in the greatest of spirits after the last few days for the Gunners. Russ, I am pretty miserable. I'm, I'm trying to put a brave face on it. And to be honest, I, I, with defeats, I get there, I get down and I do dust myself off, you know, quite quickly. But yeah, I, I, 
I don't think I'll be fully back to my usual self until we win a game. <laughs> well, let's hope, my friend, that that is very, very soon. We'll talk about the whole City game in just a couple of moments. But our question on the chalkboard for you, this, my friend, this morning, would you prioritise Champions League ties over everything else moving forward in light of what has happened? Or is top four still the most important thing? It's a good question. I think... No, I don't think top four is the most important thing, to be perfectly honest. I think winning trophies is the most important thing when you're a footballer and when you support a team, that's what you... That those are the moments that you treasure forever. So, in many respects, yeah, if, if you have to make a priority, and I would argue that you don't need to prioritise, that, that you can play your best team in pretty much every game between now and the end of the season. Yeah, we, 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 we should take the Champions League extremely seriously. We should take the FA Cup extremely seriously because those two competitions could could turn what is looking at the moment like it might be a disappointing campaign. It could turn that around and it could be could be very memorable. So, yeah, look, yeah, let's prioritise Bayern. Let's, let's prioritise Sutton. Um, but, you know, at the expense of the race for the top four, I don't think it needs to be. So... Um, so yeah, um, I, I've always been an advocate of the cup competitions. We should we should go for it. Okay, now Hull City next up in the Premier League then, and uh, hopefully that much needed win for the Gunners. But let's be quite frank, we thought that was going to come against Watford, and we got that one horribly wrong. And they're in decent form, aren't they? Actually, given their woes over the course of the season so far. Bad time to play Hull City, I'm afraid. Yeah, they have kept clean sheets against Manchester United, against Liverpool. And they weren't lucky clean sheets. It wasn't as if they were hanging on. Okay, their keepers had a couple of decent games, but but you wouldn't say that they were fortunate at all, Hull City. Marco Silva has organised this team. He is getting a tune out of them. They're very well drilled. Everybody knows their job. And there's a little bit more confidence uh, coursing through their veins from, from back to front, actually. He clearly done a lot of effective work on the training ground. So... Um, when you look at this match on paper, I think it's as hard, if not harder, than the Watford game. Um, which, which, look, egg on my face. I, I thought that we would stroll past Watford based on current form, but but they proved that if you are not fully, you know, ready for a battle and ready for for a tough Premier League game, then then anybody can punish you. So, look, lessons have to be learned. So you talked about Marco Silva there. I actually did some commentary work on his uh, managerial skills and talents when he was at Estoril Prior, who he took deep into the Europa League, which is quite an effort. And obviously mm-hmm. he's been to Olympiacos, Sporting Lisbon. He's got a decent pedigree and he's a very good manager. A lot of people raised their eyebrows about him when he came in, but um, he's very good actually, isn't he? Yeah, too, too many people were dismissive of him because they didn't know him. They didn't know about his background, about his history. But yeah, you just have to look at who he's looked after the, the stature of the teams and where he's taken them. Has he improved every team he's been involved with? The answer is yes. So, and and what's really impressive is, is how quickly his coaching methods have transformed the whole team who were, who were really struggling. I mean, they're very porous at the back, but now, as, as we've just outlined, that they look a different kettle of fish. So look, he clearly knows football. He understands it. He's brought, he's transformed the team as well. Um, people often say, or oh, give a manager time or give players time to settle in. Half of the team that played against Liverpool were newbies and and they were excellent. So, look, so far so good. They're going to have challenges between now and the end of the season. Uh, there'll be massive underdogs 
and rightly so against Arsenal, but they're dangerous. I commentated on the reverse fixture, which was a, a very easy win for Arsenal in the end. And uh, yeah, as yeah. you say, I have a feeling it won't be like that. Um, who would you pick out then? A couple of names from the whole team, either those newer faces that Silver's brought back into the fold or one or two of those that have performed well wider across the season. Yeah, I, well, one player that, that stood out for me is uh, Sam Klukas. Yes, one of I several, agree. One, yeah, one of several players that have come through non-league football, climbed the ladder, and look, this boy, he's played in about four or five different positions this season. Unbelievable. He's a left, he's a naturally a left-sided midfielder, but he's played there. He's played at left-back. He's played at wing-back. He's played as a holding midfielder. And at the moment, he's playing the, in behind the front man, um, which I think the fact that the, the two or three different managers they've had have, uh, have deemed him suitable to play in all those roles, I think that tells you all you need to know about his ability and football brains. Look, what... Okay, he might never become a superstar, Sam Klukas, but this is an underrated player who, you know, who has has caught the eye in my view. I just wonder whether he'll reignite Andrew Robertson, an exciting fullback, and and Harry Maguire as well. It's not the most mobile, but a very effective defender who's come from, as you say, again, not the highest ranks and has stepped up. Will be a couple of my others to watch. Uh, Who there would that would be my key jewel, actually. um, I was about to say, would that focus in your key jewel? Yeah, well, Harry, yeah, seg- neatly segued in there, Russ. I like it. Um, Harry, <laughs> Harry Maguire was brilliant against Chelsea recently. He's been excellent ever since. Um, he's in the form of his life. And I think we don't know yet if Olivier Giroud will get a recall or whether it'll be Alexis up top. But whoever does lead the line for Arsenal, they're going to have to get past Harry Maguire, who. You know, he's one of the most informed defenders in, in the division. So it's going to be fascinating to see to see how he does. He's quite classy coming out with the ball as well as as being an old fashioned defender. And um, and as it happened in the in the last match, uh, Italian player Ranocchia came in at centre half next to Maguire. And look, the result tells you everything. You know, two 0 against Liverpool. So that's potentially a really impressive new partnership because it wasn't so long ago it was Dawson and Davis Dawson and Davis every single week but at the moment it's Maguire and Ranocchia and I suspect that they will um, well they're certainly in the right frame of mind to keep Arsenal at bay In a sentence then how Adrian do you beat Hull? (laughs) Well to beat Hull City you have to play with tempo you have to also be ready for the start because Watford caught Arsenal cold Chelsea caught Arsenal cold. We've got to be ready from minute one in this match. We cannot afford to go behind because Hull City are on fire at the moment. So fast start and fast tempo. We, we moved the ball quickly, pull those defenders around. Well, Adrian, thank you for your thoughts on that. And I'm delighted to say that we're also joined on the line by none other than the Arsenal Weekly Podcast editor, Liam Roberts, to update us on the prediction competition. And Liam, I can't see you, but I'm sensing extreme tiredness from a man who's been up watching the Super Bowl and uh, I suspect has barely slept and can probably barely speak. Yeah, I'm going on about one hour sleep at the moment. It was um, the Arsenal media team had a bit of a Super Bowl get together at my house last night, and um, yeah, we picked a good one. It was a, it was a pretty good game. Didn't invite me or Clarky, did you? That's because I knew someone. Someone had to hold down the fort this morning. I knew, uh, I knew. I knew someone needed to be professional. Charming, charming. Well, Adrian Clark has been the consummate pro so far in this segment. Liam, update <laughs> us on where we stand. Okay, so last week it was a double game week, so I wanted to know who would score the last Arsenal goal of the week. 
And um, yeah, do you remember what you guys said? I said Alexis, and I, I have a feeling that Russ might have said Giroud. I take no pleasure in the sense of if I got this right, given the bleakness of the week. I'm going to add though. Yes, so, so Russ, you did say Olivier Giroud, and you actually got it. You kind of got it almost 100 percent right because you said he would come off the bench and. You said a late equaliser or a late winner. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. But yeah, Russell Hargreaves on the comeback trail. I'm sensing maybe a New England Patriots comeback on, is on the concert. <laughs> so is this a three-pointer? This is a three-pointer. Oh! So he's pulling it back. It's, um, it's now 18 points to 16. You've got to start getting it back together because um, right. the bleeding's starting. Well, that, judging by that reaction, Mr. Hargreaves is taking this more seriously than he's letting on. <laughs> I'm just happy to have some degree of Arsenal positivity to take into the week ahead. Yeah, so we can, can build for Hull, boys. Build for Hull. I can always tell who's taking it seriously. It seems to be when you get it right. So whenever someone gets it right, they take it a tiny bit more seriously than the week before. <laughs> <laughs> sensing a theme here. I'm sensing a theme. So what have we got next up then, my friend? Okay, so Hull City this weekend. So Hull beat Liverpool with 28% possession. Arsenal lost to Chelsea with 58% possession. So I want to know this weekend the possession split. And who? And who's first? Um, it's actually you this week. Okay. I am going to say possession split of 62-38 to Arsenal. Whew, um yeah, it's difficult. I think you're you're about on the sort of money there. Um, so I, I'm going to play slightly dirty and say 63. There you go. The man who <laughs> accused me of playing dirty has now done it himself. Needs must. Needs must. There we go. Just about to say that. Needs must. <laughs> OK, the battle line's firmly drawn. Liam, thank you very much indeed. And Clarkie, when can we next see or hear from you? Um, I am having the weekend off, actually. So I'll be back um, doing the breakdown of that whole City game next Monday and hopefully it'll be a happier one to analyse than the Chelsea defeat. Bring us good news which we can then report on this podcast in a week's time as well. Gentlemen, thanks a lot. Well, that's just about full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Adrian Clark, to Nick Brumsack and to Danny Welbeck for their contributions today. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, leaving us a five-star review in the process. You can find us on Acast these days as well, so you've never got the excuse to miss another episode. We're back on Monday, the 13th of February. And until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gunners. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.